Welcome to Fiery Discourse, your podcast for media featuring dragonesses, female dinosaurs, and other similar swords and scalies. I'm your host, Ladonon, and with me are my co-hosts, Angron, Stryker, and Lucky Evie, and our special guest for this episode, Suki. Today is our 23rd episode, and we're discussing 1993's Jurassic Park for our first ever theme month of Jurassic July, where we're going to be talking about all of the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World franchise. So, let's get things started. Oh, yeah. Jurassic Park, I mean, where do you even begin with it? It's it's actually kind of hard to talk about for me because it's been a part of my life for so long. It's like trying to describe your hands. But yeah, I'm, let's, let's basically uh, start at the basics. Uh, Jurassic Park was a book originally written by uh, Michael Crichton, who also did Westworld, which was another media piece about a theme park gone wrong. Oh, oh, yeah. Just replace uh, dinosaurs with uh, robot Yul Brenner, and that's Westworld. The 1970 movie, 70s movie, by the way, highly recommend it. It is fantastic. Mm, but getting back to I this, see. has anyone here read the book? Because the book is very different from the movie. No, I, I have not. I, I have not. But I, I am, but I am very much familiar with a certain moment from the book. One that yeah, honestly, yeah. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson himself, he's in yeah, the movie. Yeah, exactly. Track, it's like that. Who was a, uh, was a little disappointed didn't get didn't make the cut. Yeah, yeah, and we'll talk about it when we get to it, but there was a lot of differences. H- Hammond died, Malcolm died. Hammond was less of a like jovial Walt Disney type and more of a complete corporate uh, jerk. Gennaro the lawyer was actually a sympathetic character and originally uh, the Jurassic Park book, I'm not I'm not kidding, was going to be optioned by James Cameron with Arnold Schwarzenegger apparently being in it, but it got scrapped. And of ironically, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, ironically, Jurassic Cameron. Park completely destroyed an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie at the box office. Last Action Hero came out at the exact same time, made of nothing course. because everyone wanted to see Jurassic Park. Yeah. But yeah. I <laughs> almost thought I almost thought you were going to say Terminator because no you know, no oh no T T two is a couple of years before this but yeah Jurassic Park is one of those movies like T two a good segue there that actually really completely changed the movie industry with its special effects because you had movies like Young Sherlock Holmes and you had The Abyss and you had T two but I feel like this movie is the real first time that I feel like Hollywood and cinema in general really stretch CGI to its limit to, you know, as as advanced as it could get. And it, this movie is 30 years old, and of course we're doing it for its 30th anniversary. It still looks fantastic. Oh, yeah, it absolutely. It, it really has yeah. not aged at all, really. There's a couple of dodgy it... shots here and there, but aside from that, it is a movie that looks as good now as it did on the screen in 1993. Absolutely. It's I like think... Pokemon Sword and Shield. It's only rough around the edges. Nothing. Otherwise, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, hell yeah, it is. I, I mean, considering the film combines practical effects, it does make it a little more less distracting than, like, say, a lot of, of later course, films. Of course, of course. Of course, of course. It uses, oh, yeah. of course, the animatronic dinosaurs, which also look uh, really amazing for the time, despite the fact that uh, they would give the crew some problems, which uh, we'll talk about in a little bit. But, yeah. yeah. This movie, I feel it's one of Steven Spielberg's best. It's easily in my, like, top five, maybe even top three of the movies he's done. 
It might even be my favorite, to be honest, because it has such great and iconic moments that I've seen this movie like a thousand times, and it still leaves me in awe and shots at every time. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I, a little less so, but I do admit that it definitely 100% has an impact. Like, every every moment from that movie is iconic for a good reason. Let me put it that way. Exactly, yeah. exactly. I mean... So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, given the period of the time, this was like the height of Dinomania in the United States back in the 90s. It kind of was, if you... If you... This uh, yeah, I mean, Power Rangers. last episode we talked about uh we talked about something from the Dinomania, Jim Henson's dinosaurs. We oh, talked man. about that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yep. And then you have so yeah the sorry go ahead uh the that says uh yeah so the movie begins on Isla Nublar with Muldoon and the Jurassic Park staff basically watching over the raptors being delivered, and one of the workers gets attacked by the raptors and it's really such a, a intense scene and. Again, like Jaws, Spielberg chooses not to really show the dinosaurs, which really is to its benefit because when they do finally show up, it is so impactful, and we will get to that uh, momentarily. Also, they... I'm sorry, that moment for the most part was ruined for me by the delivery of Shoot her! Shoot her! It's iconic, but yeah, it's hilarious. It's more hilarious than intense for me. Still somewhat intense for the most part, but come on, man. Yeah. Of course, then there's the part where the movie cuts to Gennaro, the lawyer, arriving to a dig site. And there's actually a joke that not a lot of people would get unless you know Spanish. The two Costa Rican uh, workers are talking to each other, and one of them basically says, I bet you a thousand pesos that he's going to trip and fall. And lo and behold, he does. Nice. Uh, that's a, good that a lot of people would not know unless you know Spanish, and it's a little cute uh, Easter egg there. Even anyway, I know that, Spanish, and I honestly didn't, and I honestly cannot speak it fluently for the life yeah. of me. Sorry, sorry, but yeah, uh, it, but yeah. After that scene, the movie then um, introduces us to our main protagonists, of course, Doctor Alan Grant and Doctor Ellie Sadler, who are just great they are so so great i mean alan grant to me is actually almost cooler than indiana jones there's just something yeah. about sam neill and i feel that sam neill in general is an extremely underrated actor i i think in every movie i've seen him in every single one even like the omen sequels he gives it 120 percent every single time and a little nice. fun fact about him he came extremely close to playing james bond it was literally between him or Timothy Dalton at one point. Oh, wow. Wait. Yeah. Uh, yeah, never mind. I'm, no, I, okay, I might okay. be thinking of someone different because I hear Timothy Dalton and I think, was he in Doom Patrol as like uh, Niles Calder? I could be wrong. No, he was in Rocketeer I, as the main Nazi. He was also, player. yeah, he was in uh, Loon Tunes back in action. You, you probably have seen him. He's in Hot Fuzz as the villain. You, you probably have seen him in things. But anyway, of mm. course, uh, there's the iconic part with Grant traumatizing the little kid who says, you know, that's not scary. That looks like a six foot turkey. He pulls out like the raptor claw and he gives like a detailed, you know, down to the minute uh, explanation of what a raptor would do to you. And it is what one of those that? things that, again, <laughs> it's a moment that is just perfectly delivered. Yeah. And oh, yeah. I do. Oh yeah. And the, the fun fact: there was a fan theory, an insane fan theory that I remember reading online 
that that kid grew up to be Owen from Jurassic World. Now, it's not true. It's been debunked and everything, but just the fact that somebody tried to do that, like, it's like, you know, oh, all these movies have to be connected in the smallest way. It's like, no, it doesn't. It's, kinda, it's like the weird recon for oh, man. Iron Man 2, where the, they say the, the kid with the... Uh... Is Peter Parker, yeah. It's like, it's like that. It doesn't really... You know, it, it was not the filmmaker's original intention in that. But anyway, of course, uh, John Hammond arrives by helicopter to announce his project to them. And Hammond was played by Richard Attenborough, who uh, acted in other movies like the original Fly of the Phoenix. He's really good in that. He directed movies like Gandhi, which actually beat E.T. to Best Picture in 1982. Nice. But he'll always be remembered by me and probably a lot of people of uh, my generation as John Hammond. Yeah, like like I see him like even like Fly of the Phoenix. I'm like, oh, John Hammond got into the plane crash with all the others <laughs> before he found a Jurassic Park. Nice. Yeah. Oh man, oh, and let us not forget the ever iconic Jeff Ian, uh, Gold Bloom. Uh, Bloom. Uh, Ian Malcolm himself, uh, but that will but we'll talk about him in a little bit because first we'll talk about the uh, main human antagonist of the movie, Nedry. Played by uh, Wayne Knight, a.k.a. Newman from Seinfeld, Al from Toy Story 2. He also, believe it or not, voiced Zerg in the uh, TV show. So that's a fun nice. little fact. Here. We were just talking, nice. we were nice. just talking about that oh, yeah. before we were recording this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like I say, uh, Nedry really is such a fun character because he's so... Uh, He's not completely unlikable, but he's so despicable, you can't help but love him. He has, like, the little moments, like, Dogson, Dogson, we got Dogson here! And the part where he opens up the uh, the shaving cream with the uh, embryo can in it, and he just does that like, little squeal of delight. It is so hilarious. It's something that you could just rewind and watch it. Just it's, it's one of those cute little moments that, again, there's so many of them in this movie that it's just, it is iconic. For lack of a better word, this movie is completely iconic every single scene in it has been a mainstay of culture for a reason and yeah, yeah absolutely now we get to of course the helicopter taking the protagonist to uh isla nublar and now we can talk about ian malcolm played by jeff uh goldblum Gold, uh, 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 yeah that's <laughs> his other uh, I'm, I'm sorry. oh man yeah per- perfect casting per- just the absolute 100 best actor you could have cast for this role he completely sells the character, and this probably was his big break because, I mean, he had movies like The Fly before that, and, oh, uh, yeah. you know, Earth Girls are easy and stuff like that, but this, I think, is what really put him on the map, and he deserves it because he is just, he's fantastic. Malcolm is so great. I, I love the one moment is the little laugh he lets out in the helicopter, the, <laughs> just that little oh, weird, man. oh, yeah. A little touches just make yeah, it very. Well, really yeah. Although I will say this, uh, after um, Jurassic Park, uh, that's pretty much the only character he ever plays, though. Oh yeah, yeah, he does the same thing in Independence Day. Of course, he reprises Malcolm in a uh, Lost World, and yeah, everything after has pretty much been him repeating the success of being Malcolm. But hey, if you have a character archetype that works, you know, don't if knock it. it. Broke, don't fix it, yeah. Exactly, yep. exactly. Broke, don't fix it. I mean, he made the- So yeah, the uh, helicopter ride overall is great because it showcases all the different characters' uh, personalities and relationships in a way. And, you know, I think that in a way, it's little moments like this that really work to make the movie iconic. I mean, the dinosaurs themselves are great, 
but it's also the fact that you care about the characters behind it. Mm-hmm. It's like there's a big difference between this and like some of the uh, other movies that try to be like this, like say uh, Carnosaur, for instance. Uh, Roger Corman's Carnosaur, which actually came out before this, but it's kind of a preemptive knockoff of this. Uh, yeah, the uh, the novel's very different, actually. I forgot all the details. Yeah, yeah, I, I've heard that. I, I heard that, you know, Corman just bought it to rush it out to uh, put it in theaters before this. But anyway, finally getting back to Jurassic Park, there's also a really neat little foreshadowing of what happens with the dinosaurs with the seatbelts, because Grant has two female ends, and he solves the problem by tying them together to basically fasten his seatbelt. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're both female ends, and they don't connect together, but he finds a way to basically put it together. You know, it's a little bit of foreshadowing, um, it, and it probably was intentional, and if it was, that is very clever. But now we get to probably the mo- one of the most iconic uh, movie scenes of the past 30 years, if not the single most iconic movie scene. I mean, you could have, like, you know, you know, I Am Iron Man or, you know, anything from Lord of the Rings, but this, to me, the reveal of the dinosaurs is perhaps one of the single greatest movie moments of the past 30 years. Mm-hmm. Like, and even that, down to, like, dinosaurs, like, taking a dump, it's that amazing. Like, uh, exactly. We the scene for me that ultimately, yeah. like, was very impactful was, like, the scene of, like, actually feeding a legit brontosaurus or whatever that's and true, a uh, bit of uh, leaves. That was pretty neat. That was neat, yeah. But like I say, just the fact that the way the music swells up, and, by the way, Jurassic Park, John Williams' best score. I will not dispute this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Best score. Better than Star Wars. Better than E.T. You know, just the best one all around, I feel. Oh, man. Uh, there are a lot of John Glenn. Didn't he also do The Incredibles? I could no, be wrong. Was... No, 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 he didn't. Guy. No. Okay. Oh, that was the... Yeah. That's right. Never mind. Yeah, Michael Gina. But Yeah, like I say, uh... Again, it, the fact that Jurassic Park, I feel like it works so well because it feels real. It feels like an actual location, and you feel like the actual characters, that you want to go to this place, and you want to see it succeed. Same. You kind of go yeah. on the same journey as the protagonists. And again, uh, it is really uh, a fantastic location. And even the little touches they do, like, of course, uh, Mr. DNA is ex- it is exposition. Let's be real. But it is a fun way of giving exposition to the audience. I mean, Honestly, I, I'm, I'm sorry. The Mr. DNA animated sequence is just so adorable. And, you know, yeah, it, it's pretty adorable. It now, is, it is. Actual thing aside, for the most part, I do yeah. believe that is very, that's a pretty neat thing that they added to the movie. Like, yeah. there, are, like there are a lot of live action movies with like little animated segments. Uh. I for I forget what it was called. I know it. I know it had like Antonio Banderas in it, like in the like early '90s and whatnot. Right. It was but in like yeah, this movies hotel. used to do that with like the uh, animated uh, sequences. I understand what you're saying, but yeah, uh, like I said, this is probably one of the better examples of them. I feel. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it combines both CG, 2D, and just live action. And it's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, Again. Man. And another bit of uh, foreshadowing uh, that uh, Grant, Malcolm, and Sattler basically break completely, you know, stop the lap bar when it actually gets to the ride portion of the uh, tour. And it shows that Jurassic Park, despite sparing no expense, they did cut corners. And, of course, that comes back to bite them. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Indeed. it's here where we're... Unfortunately. Here we, 
Yeah, yeah. Of course, like like in life, with a lot of uh, other places and other things, Twitter. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. We, nice. we get to the uh, lab and we get to see a uh, Doctor Wu, who would later be very predominant. Woo. Oh in the, God. Yeah. He would be very predominant in the uh, Jurassic World franchise. So when we get to that, we are going to talk a lot more about him. And he died in the book. So that is another departure. He was apparently uh, disemboweled by raptors. But here he survives. So that's how he comes back. I don't think it was until Dominion that he ultimately got himself like disemboweled, right? I, I think he lives in Dominion. I, I'll have to like, rewatch it, but I'm pretty yeah. sure he lives in that. But anyway, mm. now we get to the explanation of how the uh, basically the hatching of the baby who turns, who turns out to be a baby raptor, of course, which again, great scene. Even the sound effects of it, like hatching out of its egg are just perfectly done. Like I say, this is a movie that to me has reached its final form. It could not be a better version of itself. Mm, but now, of yeah. course, we get to the reason why this, as well as the entire other Jurassic Park and Jurassic World movies are going to be on this podcast, all of the dinosaurs are canonically female. Unless said otherwise by the movies or supplementary material, we are going to consider them female for the purpose of the podcast. Nice. Oh, yeah. They're oh, all man. female. Yeah. Oh, 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 okay. Quick note before we begin the thing proper. Like, yeah. I remember uh, one of my uh, family's friends uh, saying that, like, Jurassic Park did this particular scene first. But Amelie did it, <laughs> did it funnier. <laughs> but in any case, for those of you who have seen Amelie and or this, this scene in Jurassic Park, you'll know exactly who we're talking about. The motherfucking T-Rex. T-Rex. <laughs> oh, God. But yeah, of course, uh, now we get to the part with the raptors uh, being fed the cow, which again, aside from you know the Brachiosaurus, the thing about this movie that's interesting, I don't think a lot of people know, we don't actually get to see the dinosaurs on screen for a pretty long stretch, from, like, the Brachiosauruses to the T-Rex escaping its paddock. We really don't get to see it, and again, it's like Jaws, where, but whereas Jaws was unintentional, because apparently they wanted to show a lot more of the shark, but it kept breaking down to, to, due to uh, mechanical issues with the uh, mm -hmm. animatronics, here, it seems intentional. Like, they're really building up and building up to it. They're making the audience more and more anxious with it. And, of course, uh, it's here where we get to see uh, Muldoon again. And Muldoon is a complete badass character, and it's a shame that he does not live. He did live in the book, and I believe in one of the video game adaptations, he actually did survive. But, mm. of course, the movie, he passes away. And after seeing the cow off screen being completely slaughtered by the raptors, they go to have lunch of Chilean sea bass. And again, this scene is another great uh, character study. Malcolm is cynical about the whole project. Gennaro, the lawyer, he just cares about making money, which leads to a fantastic line that I absolutely love. You know, you know oh, we'll have coupon day for the park. Oh, and John boy. says he wants it for everybody, you know. He's another and character. you get a coupon, and you get a coupon, you all get a coupon. <laughs> oh, oh my yeah. goodness. And Grant and Sattler are reasonably skeptical about it, much to, of course, John Hammond's displeasure. The only one I have sticking up for me is the blood sucking lawyer. And then Jarrah just looks at <laughs> him, Thank you. Uh, wow. 
Yeah, yeah. Then we get to see, of course, uh, Lex and Tim. And unlike other movies where they try to shoehorn in uh, cute kids, Lex and Tim actually work. I think because they, they feel more realistic. I mean, there are movies that have completely ruined themselves. They try to introduce a cute kid and making them part of the cast. Uh, have you ever seen a Blues Brothers 2000? Oh, no. I yeah, have not, they made the but I have seen Blues a review Brothers. of it. They have uh, John Goodman as the new uh, Jake. They have Elwood. And then they have some little kid who also becomes a Blues Brother. And it is a mess. Yeah. So okay. it could be a lot, lot worse. The kid... Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, maybe in a different movie it could have worked better. Yeah. Leaner, but anyway, getting back, I, I, getting back to Jurassic Park. Sorry about all these tangents, that. But uh, yeah, yep. uh, we get to see the uh, Jurassic Park tour room after a cute moment where Grant tricks Tim into going into the same car with Gennaro, which again, another cute moment. We get to yeah. see Mr. Arnold played by Samuel Jackson. This uh, was, yep. This was literally, I believe, one-off, if not the last role he would take before Pulp Fiction would come out the next year, and he'd be a huge star. This was back when he was still like, oh, hey, it's that guy, compared to, oh, my God, Samuel Jackson. He was still uh, kind of a character actor rather than uh, like for... a huge star. Yeah. Mother Effa, mother I think he's Effa. the second highest grossing actor of all time right now. With everything yeah. he's been, I'm not surprised. In case you're, it fluctuates mm. every now and then, but in case you're on like the top two, is either Scarlett Johansson or Robert Downey Jr. Huh. Yeah, event, nice. yeah, Marvel figures. But uh, yeah, of yeah, course, pretty uh, much. Of course, Nedry is uh, doing his job poorly, and it's due to, of course, money problems with him and Hammond, and of course, probably a way for him to get the embryos and get out of there. But then we cut to probably one of a really cool moments in the movie where they go to the Jurassic Park gates. It's open up. And, of course, Malcolm has a classic line. What do you think they got in there, King Kong? And it really <laughs> looks exactly like the gates from King Kong. Though, sadly, it is. I don't know if it's the one from the 70s, but it is not the one from the original because that was destroyed for Gone with the Wind. True story. Ooh. Anyway, yeah. The tour goes very poorly with the dinosaurs either being completely no-shows or being sick. And, mm. I, and, of course, this leads to probably my favorite exchange of the movie where Malcolm just looks directly in, like, the uh, tour in the uh, van uh, camera. He looks directly and he says, there are going to be dinosaurs on the dinosaur tour. And then it goes to, like, and then it shows uh, John Hammond, I really do hate that man. Uh, it's just, uh, it, it is actually my favorite moment of the movie. Exchange the movie, sorry, is that little uh, exchange of dialogue. So yeah, uh, they go to see the uh, Triceratops, and fun fact, there was going to be a scene of apparently them, uh, the kids riding a Triceratops, because there's uh, still photos of Lex on top of one, but they cut it out, and the footage, I, I don't know if it's a deleted scene or not, I have not seen it, so I will not say. But anyway, yeah. uh, but anyway, basically, a Sattler decides to stay behind to find out uh, what's going wrong with the uh, dinosaurs, with the plants they're eating, why they're getting sick all the time. And this leads to the rest of them going back in their uh, tour vans, and Nedry activates his program, and that just shuts down basically the entire park. Now, uh -oh. now here is a really interesting uh, fun fact about the movie. The storm breaking out was real. They filmed this in Hawaii, and a hurricane actually hit 
while they were filming the movie. So they had to actually abandon filming for a little bit and shoot some stuff in, I think, L.A. Makes sense. Apparently, yeah, Richard Attenborough slept through the whole thing. The next day, uh, Steven Spielberg <laughs> asked, how'd you do it? Attenborough looked at him and said, my dear boy, I slept through the blitz. Which right uh, there, badass, badass right there. But through which again? Sorry. Uh, the Richard Blitz. Attenborough, who played uh, John Hammond. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know what you're talking about. What, what did he sleep the through? Blitz. He the slept Blitz. through the hurricane that hit the island when they were uh, filming. Yeah, I know that. But he slept through what before he slept the through the hurricane? The London Blitz during the, uh, World War II. Blitz, the bombing of uh, World War II. Oh, yikes. Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Wow. Huh. Yeah. But anyway, uh, getting back to the movie, we have another fantastic exchange that I use all the time uh, in real life, which probably makes me a nerd, but whatever. I love this uh, one exchange. Are they heavy? Yeah! Then they're expensive. Put them back. But yeah, now we get to see, of course, the iconic part with the build-up to the T-Rex, a.k.a. Rexy, which is what she's called in supplemental material. That is her name, of course. Mm-hmm. So we get the part, of course, with the water shaking, and we just see her claw going over it, and then it happens. You know, the goat leg hits the windshield, and then we get to see her. The the, uh, entrance of Rexy is, the, for my opinion, one of the true highlights of the movie. I mean, they used uh, sometimes animatronics in this scene, but what would happen, because of all the rain effects, the animatronic would start like stuttering and shaking, so they'd have to like dry it off, then redo another take of the scene. So apparently, it took a while to film this, but I, honest to God, I cannot tell the difference between the CGI and the animatronics in this scene. It is that good. Yeah, honestly, nice. it was. I also, yeah, <laughs> I'm also really happy that like, uh, Doug, aka the nostalgia critic, uh did like a little take where it's like uh where like every time the t-rex is on screen it's like <laughs> and hell oh man that just sticks <laughs> to my mind every time i see it oh uh, yeah yeah that that is classic but yeah of course uh gennaro turns out to be a coward abandons the kids to go hide in the bathroom and now and then of course the kids try to get the t-rex away from them by flashing the light but it only draws them to it and uh, goes, uh, Rexy attacking the car, another fantastic moment. It is just so intense when the it looks over them, and then all of a sudden it just smashes its head down on like the windshield, breaking through like the uh plastic and the glass. It is again crushing the car with its foot. It is fantastic, it is very much impressive. And of course, uh, Malcolm and Grant try to save them with Malcolm injured. and Originally, Malcolm was not going to try to save them. He, too, was apparently going to try and uh, run away from the situation. But Jeff Goldblum apparently suggested that they try to make Malcolm a little more heroic. So that's why they gave him the scene of him holding the flare. In all fairness, it kind of does make him a little more well-rounded character. If he, that he actually helped them and not just be a coward. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And of course, yeah. it uh, builds up to his actions in the sequel, which, of course, we will talk about next week. But yeah, uh, mm-hmm. Gennaro uh, is eaten by Rexy, and it's actually later implied that they find pieces of him pretty much everywhere. So it was not a uh, graceful death for the blood sucking lawyer. Let's put it that way. Absolutely. Yep. Yikes. And of course, there is the part where Alan rescues uh, Lex and Tim from the. 
sorry, uh, Tim, rather, sorry, from The Tree, which is another fantastic sequence. It's one that is so, again, gripping, and you, you really feel on the edge of your seat. Again, this is a movie I have seen probably thousands of times, and every single time I watch it, this moment in particular always has me, like, on the edge of your seat, you know? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Absolutely, yeah. I loved that scene with the T-Rex, I swear. Yeah, just, yeah, it is. There is, it is no easy. music, and that's just... exactly it's like movies movies aren't even made like this anymore i feel i feel like nowadays they have like well that just happened kind of quip but no here they just play it completely serious they play the moment in complete really almost perfection in a way it really showcases how much movies have changed from like 1993 to now there's still some good movies that rely on atmosphere of course no no of course there are but i mean like uh but it feels like it's it's a different uh, style. Let's do it that yeah, way. Yeah, I mean the Batman by uh, Matt Reeves was like a great example of like. No, no, that that was good. That was good. Yeah, but they, they are still good. Ones, but I'm just saying, you know, in general. So Nedry tries to flee the park, uh, but he accidentally crashes against a sign, causing him to drive all over the place. And I love the part where he just bends the uh, east sign. The arrow just keeps spinning, and then he just goes in the random direction. Yeah. And of course, uh, when when uh, Arnold tries to stop a Nedry's computer virus from basically infecting the system, we get the part, of course, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, you didn't say the magic word. Uh, and, uh, again, again, another cute moment. Uh, and Yeah. So while that's going on, Ellie and Muldoon go out to save Malcolm and find the remains of Gennaro. And the chase with Rexy in the Jeep, again, another completely badass moment. There are parts where, again, I can't tell what's CGI and what's animatronic at one point. A lot of it is CGI, I know that, but I know the part where she actually comes out of the trees, they actually use the animatronic for that, so they went all out with this. Mm. Yeah. It still looks so realistic, and of course, it's that great, iconic moment, you know, objects in mirror are closer than they appear with, you know, Rexy yeah. practically lunging yeah. at it. Which another fantastic moment. They they duck down. You know, uh, Rexy hits the tree and that. And overall, it is it is like one of the best set pieces of the movie. I, I think the original, you know, Tyrannosaurus, you know, escaping the paddock is better. But this sequence as well is well done. Definitely. So now, of course, we get to see uh, Nedry's uh, fate. He gets eaten by the Dilophosaurus, and I love, of course, the build up to it. Stick, stupid. See the stick. Stick. And he says, no oh wonder you're goodness. extinct. I'm going to run you over when I get back down. And of uh, course, he get... But Nedry, I mean, he really suffers. He, the guy had his eyes burnt out with acid before he got eaten in the car. And of course, we don't get to see it. And apparently, uh, Wayne Knight was disappointed that they did not show his death on camera. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fun what... fact. Fun yeah? fact about the game. Um, yeah? That scene is actually explored in the game. Mm. Oh, go on. Go on. Post, uh, post death. Damn. Mm. Oh, uh, what game doing? are you talking about? Uh, uh, the, the Telltale game. The Telltale game. Um, apparently, like, uh, you have to, uh, find the uh the, uh, can of shaving cream, and uh, yeah, you get to see uh, you get to see Nedry's body. Yeah. Mm. 
That of course, uh, the shaving cream with embryos gets covered in the mud, and it actually does come back in uh, one of the later movies. I won't tell which one because of spoilers and that, but we'll get yeah, to that. I have a back. feeling I know which one it is. but Yeah, uh, can, yeah, you know. it does. So anyway, uh, Arnold basically finally shuts off the uh, power grid, which, of course, turns off the power to the entire park except for the computers. And this, of course, this also leads to the uh, scene with Ellie and Hammond. Well, was that before or after? Oh, well. But the scene with Ellie and Hammond talking is a really nice, a wonderful moment as uh, Hammond basically realized that his dream of trying to build Jurassic Park was a foolish one despite everything. You know, Ellie has that great rant. It's still a flea circus. It's all just an illusion. Don't you get it? People are actually dying out there. And he actually comes to the realization that what have I done? Which he did not get in the book. The Hammond in the book was a complete jerk, and he got killed by compies. Oh, dear. Well, uh, yeah. as the old uh. saying goes, when Disneyland opened in 56, nothing worked. But when, the, <laughs> but when, Disneyland, but when Pirates of the Caribbean breaks down, the pirates don't eat well, the tourists. Because, that's Again, no that's because, because, Yeah, exactly. I mean, if I said they did, though, exactly, that would be crazy. Exactly. <laughs> no, what happens is it would become Westworld. <laughs> That would it be would become Westworld, holy shit! But it's actually, <laughs> yeah. it's actually, it's actually, it's actually, dolls that eat the Taurus. Oh god! Oh dear! Oh dear! That's a concept I did no, not want to admit. Oh god! Okay. Oh god! Oh god! Oh god! That would be fantastic. That would be oh, fantastic. God. Now, getting back to the movie, uh, basically, uh, Tim and Lex wake up. Uh, Alan becomes uh, more open to uh, basically caring for the kids in that, which, again, great character development for him. Alec was at the beginning of the movie compared to at this point. And basically, uh, when they wake up, they have the entire field of Brachiosauruses, which for the most part look really good there's a couple on the back that look a little stiff i don't know if they were like you know cg or you know what have you originally this movie was going to be done before of course they decided to use cgi and animatronics it was going to be all stop motion like uh kind of like what harry Housen would do but i think making it cg and animatronic it does work better. As much as I love uh, a good stop-motion dinosaur, I really do. You know, stop-motion is fantastic. It is great. More people need to use it nowadays. But I feel like for this movie, it act- the, using the CGI and the animatronics helps make it a little more majestic. I think it's also because... it's just more expensive. That too, that too. And probably, you know, that's the more logical reason. But really, I think as a filmmaking technique, it does work out a little bit better. But of course, uh, they when they finally get out of the tree after Lex gets sneezed on by a Brachiosaurus, which and one also of the gets many fed. traumatizing things she has experienced throughout the past uh, few hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they find a couple of uh, raptor eggs, and because, as Mister DNA says, uh, we used we used the DNA of a frog to fill some holes in the code, and some <laughs> frogs can change sex. So nature finds a way. That's how the dinosaurs managed to reproduce, despite them being all female. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah uh, that personally, like, man, that probably I mean, wouldn't work, work nowadays. I know, I know, but it, it's a movie. I mean, you could argue, like, oh, why aren't the dinosaurs feathered or that? But it, to me, yeah. it really is just, a, you know, it's a movie. You got to take some level of disbelief with it. Yes, yeah, you can't just be like, you know, oh, the kind of thing, you know. 
Yeah, yeah. But yeah, of course, uh, Arnold uh, leaves to manually return the power, but he never returns. And meanwhile, with uh, Lex and with uh, Alan, Lex, and uh, Tim, they come across the T-Rex scene in the daytime, which another good sequence. And there is a little bit of a dodginess with the CGI here. I think here it is probably more noticeable than any other scene in the movie, maybe because it's in the direct sunlight. There's a couple of parts where, like, the T-Rex lunges. It looks a little dated, but aside from that, it is still great. Like, the actual herd that they run across, and, of course, the attack of the T-Rex still looks really good. And even, even like I say, being the worst sequence in Jurassic Park or, like, having a couple of bad-looking effects is not a bad thing at all. Because when, oh, yeah. when you're this good, you know, and of course, I love the part too where, you know, Tim looks up and he says, look at all the blood with that, you know, horrified expression on his face. It really, again, showcases what these characters are actually going through. It's like the audience are, is like the characters in this Pretty movie. Much, yeah. Oh, yeah, I feel exactly, yeah, Exactly. Real. And then, of course, uh, Ellie and Muldoon go out to manually turn the power on at the same time. And the Raptors actually managed to set a trap for Muldoon and kill him. Clever girl. Ah, Fantastic moment. And, of course, the Raptors set more traps later on. When we get to uh, Jurassic Park 3, we're going to be talking about uh, a lot more elaborate trap that they do set. But we're talking about this one for now. So Ellie basically uh, goes into the power room. Meanwhile, you know, Alan, uh, Lex, and Tim come across an electric fence, and uh, Alan does a joke that is both a good one and a sick one by pretending to be electrocuted. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, they're not already traumatized enough. You gotta traumatize them with another epic prank. Social uh, experiment. Anyway. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, God, yes, yes. But anyway, uh, basically, uh, Grant, Tim, and Lex are climbing the fence while Ellie's turning on the power, and one of the power one of the uh, power sources turns on the alarms, which scares Tim from going over, and Ellie turns on the uh, main power for the fences just as Tim was about to get down, so he's electrocuted. You probably would not survive that in real life, but this is a movie, so he is okay. Mm, that is... Yeah, that, and he takes them to logic. the, uh, so, yeah, Grant basically takes them to the visitor center, calling Tim, you know, you, the human piece of toast. Again, way to go, Grant. But seriously, uh, getting back to Ellie, uh, we finally get to see what happens to uh, Mr. Arnold. He has become a arm because the raptors killed him. Now, Arnold's oh, death was planned. I... According to Samuel L. Jackson, they actually planned out Arnold's death to be on camera. But they cut it out, so we just get to see the arm of him. Now, Oof. my theory, my theory, oh, yeah. he survived the raptor attack, but the raptors took out one of his eyes, and he became Nick Fury. That's what happened. <laughs> Nick Fury is Mr. Arnold. Oh, man. They can't and disprove it. And so long as we're ruining a pretty uh, pretty intense moment that could have easily been added into the movie. I know. I, know. I uh, oh, man. I, I see that now, and I recall uh, the meet the engineer, where like his uh, the one of his turrets fires a missile off, and it like blasts the freaking scout, and scout's like, my arm! <laughs> oh, oh god! Oh god! <laughs> oh, classic, classic. 
truly yeah, a classic. Uh, what happens, of course, next is that uh, Grant and Ellie are Grant and Ellie are reunited, of course, and they're running because the Raptors are pursuing them. Basically, the part where the Raptor bursts out from the uh, uh, rubber tubing, just going back a little bit first. Uh, that too is another moment that is really. It's re- it's actually probably the first jump scare that I remembered, and it's one that actually is really effective. Mm-hmm. But yeah, anyway, uh, getting back to the uh, to the visitor center, we get to, to see Lex and Tim in the kitchen scene, which is a fantastic use of action. I mean, just the way that the Raptors they move, and of course they are guttering uh, that gutter uh, utterings that they do are really really. Uh, iconic i mean i still when i look at a raptor i hear that that noise yeah. that they make that is my terrible mm. raptor impression <laughs> um, 10 out of 10 but seriously uh mm. uh the one good touch i do like is that tim has kind of a uh limp when he walks because the kid was just electrocuted with ten thousand volts of course he would but yeah, and the thing again with the kids why they work is because they actually are resourceful. They managed to trick the raptors into attacking, like, you know, other parts of the kitchen. Tim actually is the only human, I believe, with a body count. He actually manages to kill one of the raptors by locking it in the freezer. Mm. And, oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he locks it in the freezer and it never comes out. So, now we get to see, of course. They, yeah, of course. They all yeah. reunite in the uh, main control room and. It's a Unix system. I know this. And every time I see that, uh, when it cuts to the part of the uh, Jurassic Park uh, layout, I always think of, like, it's a Mario Kart course. Oh, dear. (laughs) When they're turning on the power and it shows all the parts, to me, it looks exactly like like a Mario Kart course or something. But yeah, Mm. uh, the Raptors uh, finally invade the control room where they escape to the vent. Not before, of course, the great moment. You know, Mr. Hammond, the phones are on. Again, great, great moment. And what happens is the Raptors in att- attack the uh, control room, and this, there's this one shot, this one shot that looks really amazing. It's the Raptor covered in like the computer code. It's something that, again, is oh, yeah. it's a shot that, that a lot really of people good. don't talk about, but for me, it's probably one of the more iconic ones in the movie just because of how unique it looks. Now, every mm-hmm. movie in the series, even like uh, some of the lesser ones, have at least one shot that is so cool. And this, of course, is made up of entirely of that. But basically, the raptors invade the control room, following by them escaping to the vent. And when Lex actually falls through the, uh, through the vent and she looks up, that actually was the stunt woman looking up in surprise. And they had to basically digitally paste Lex's face over the stunt woman for that sequence. Mm. Oh, well yeah. then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really awesome. So, of course, they they get finally to the uh, visitor center lobby, and they're cornered by the uh, Raptors. What are they going to do? Now, in the original script, they were going to basically kill the Raptors by crushing them with the dinosaur skeleton. There was going to be, like, some kind of control thing to puppeteer hmm. it, but that was not nearly badass enough because we get to see, of course, the Raptors are cornering our heroes. What do we do? Rexy comes back and she takes care of them. And the humans get the hell out of there, but the fight sequence between them, it's probably the one of the shortest of the Jurassic Park fight sequences, but it is still badass. I mean, Lexi throwing one into the skeleton, you know, basically breaking the neck of the other is is really awesome. And 
then we get that one shot that I that really in a movie made of iconic shots, probably one of the most iconic is Rexy roaring while the when dinosaurs ruled the earth banner falling right in front of her. That awesome. to me is like if you had to sum up the entire Jurassic Park franchise, not just the movie, the franchise, it would be that one shot. Hell yeah. And absolutely. But yeah, the ending, at least for the humans, is bittersweet with Hammond basically forgetting about his dream as the helicopter flies off into the distance. And yeah, that's what happens. And the movie was a huge hit critically and commercially, completely changed the landscape of cinema forever. It is probably one of my favorite movies, and it is actually uh, Jurassic Park's 30th anniversary. So, happy 30th, Jurassic Park. Here's to many more years of you being an awesome, awesome movie. Mm. Hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 it's on the National Film Registry. It is, you know, Academy Award winner. It is a, you know, huge, huge achievement, and I am very glad to see that it is a it is still as beloved as it is uh, 30 years ago. So now it is time for the uh, yeah question of the episode, which is uh, a two thing. Uh, what are your favorite Steven Spielberg movies or uh, what are your memories of uh, Jurassic Park? Oh, man, I want to say uh, my favorite Steven Spielberg movie, if not Jurassic Park, if not Indiana Jones, if not pretty much anything else he's done. It's Roger yeah, Rabbit. Come yeah. on. Yeah. It, oh, it had ooh. Paul Williams do most of the two of the animation. It was the closest we ever got other than Chippendale Wrestling Rangers to ever, ever have more than one process, process media from, let's see here. Let animation, think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, animation in general at the time. A lot of people time. forget he did that, but, I think. Yeah, a lot of people forget that. In fact, there were a lot of things that he was not credited for. It, that I honestly think he should ultimately be be credited for. Like, yeah. oh man, let's see here. We got. Give me a moment. Uh, also, I hate to go. Um, actually, but it's Richard Williams, not Paul Williams. Paul Williams was the guy who wrote Rainbow Connection. Paul, oh, Richard yeah, Williams, right? I feel ya. I feel ya. No, he apparently was executive producer for. Oh wait, no, never mind. Never mind. Uh, he was apparently involved with Shrek, of all things. Yep, DreamWorks. His DreamWorks is actually uh, founded he, by, uh, by Spielberg. Al- so. Yeah, he also did Pinky and the Brain and Animaniacs. Yeah, so. hell yeah. Yeah, he was also oh, uh, was. uncredited for Small Soldiers, which was oh, yeah, very was weird. weird. Yeah, that was very uh, weird. If there was one that doesn't... Sorry, sorry go ahead. I'll do this. Let's see here. Then. I can't really find much else. But anyways, yeah, those... To my knowledge, are what I can, what I think of. Also, Balto, surprisingly. Yes, yes, yeah. From the oh, short-lived yeah. Ambulation, they made, uh, they did that. They did a uh, Five Goes West, and we're back at Dinosaur Story, which we are going to talk about sometime on this podcast. Maybe this nice. year, maybe not. We'll have to wait and see. And but, the Mask yeah, of Zorro. That too. That too. Uh, one of my favorite Spielberg movies is one that is really underrated. No one really talks about uh, as much as some of his others. Excuse me. Is a yeah. Catch Me If You Can with Leonard DiCaprio and Tom Hanks. There's something about that movie that, at least for me, is it really does work out so well. 
between mm. uh, basically Frank Abagnale and uh, Han Ratty, the relationship between them. It feels like a movie that would have been made in the 60s, but is but it actually, of course, is made now. And I mean that in the best way possible because, again, the, act, the uh, characterization of it is fantastic. The acting is great. You have uh, Christopher Walken won an Academy <laughs> Award Best Supporting Actor for that. He, he was fantastic. Nice. And the story may or may not be true. Apparently, uh, Frank Abagnale's uh, exploits have been called into question lately. But even ignoring that, even if the movie was complete fiction, it is still a great movie and one that I highly, highly recommend. Mm, nice. Yeah. All right. Uh, Striker, your favorite uh, freaking uh, Steven Spielberg, Spielberg uh, piece of media and or memory from uh, a Spielberg media. Okay, so he is credited as part of this movie, even though at the time he was um, working on E.T. Um, back when I was about nine years old, when uh, Freeform was a ABC mm -hmm. family, they did mm -hmm. their uh, 13 Nights of Halloween uh, uh, special, you know, that yeah. whole um, still thing do, they still did for yeah, yeah, Freeform yeah. Halloween. Yeah, but it's uh thirty one nights and yeah, Halloween now. Yeah. Mm. Uh they almost worship Hocus Pocus on that channel now, to be honest. Oh dear. Shame. But yeah, um uh when I was nine, uh when that was going on, I saw Poltergeist oh, for the first time. Dear. Oh Ooh, dear. Yes. yes. That, that is that is the scariest movie he ever worked on in my opinion. The uh, moving by itself, the uh, uh, Craig T. Nelson, who also uh, you probably didn't know this, uh, he is Mr. Yeah. Incredible, basically uh, peeling off his own face in the mirror. I mean, oh, yeah, so, for sure. So many great Yikes. moments. That's certainly something. Yeah, yeah. Not all those memes of like Mr. Incredible, but oh, uncanny. Uh, oh, my God. It could be, oh, my it, God. It, it could be canon because of Poltergeist, but yeah, yeah. It is a uh, fantastic, fantastic. Uh, that's a great one. Some people yeah. say that uh, Toby Hooper did it, but I think it was confirmed that it was mostly Spielberg. Oh yeah, oh. Spielberg was working on ET at the time, but Toby Hooper did work on it as well. Yeah, he worked in it, but I think uh, now it's been confirmed that Spielberg actually did do a lot of Poltergeist more than uh, Toby oh, Hooper yeah. did. And like apparently, that... it was going to be a trilogy. It was going to be like ET poltergeist and then there was going to be some kind of a third one set in suburbia not the goonies but it was going to be something else i yeah, don't really know too much about it but it never really happened well mm. uh, all i know is that when i was a kid when i first saw that movie it scared the hell out of me oh, oh mm, same I'll... same but same, uh it is terrifying years later even i'm even still i'm still like unsettled by it years later and it's mm. and i i i hold it as one of my favorite horror movies of all time because it actually managed to scare the yeah. hell out of me oh yeah yeah i mean sometimes uh, horror movies aren't just about blood and guts it's about you know how effective it can creep you out that's why i have more respect for something like say uh something like carnival of souls than something like a uh, hostel because I oh, feel yeah, like you know, one is actually trying to be unsettling and unnerving compared to the other, which is just trying to 
basically put as much gore on the screen as possible. Oh yeah, yeah. for real. I yeah, just, something uh, similar to something similar to that is uh, a series of unfortunate events. One is actually trying. One ultimately really does like go the extra mile to be truly styly, aesthetically amazing, and actually nailed like the initial feeling of like the story. While the other, it completes it. It's complete, but it also it feels a little. Netflix show versus the Carrey movie. Great. Yeah, the Netflix yeah, show moments where it skipped, like uh, where it like cut corners and whatnot. And while it's not bad for it for the most part, I'm sorry, you just can't beat the movie. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I definitely can see that. So, uh, uh, Suki, uh, what would you have to say is your? Uh, Favorite uh, Steven Spielberg movie slash, uh, you know, he's uh, a memory. memory. Just all the animated yeah, shows he did in the 90s. Oh, yeah, so like Maniacs, Maniacs one, one, I feel oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, It showed sure. how, you know, you could, they were basically writing for themselves, not, you know, kids. And then, of course, Back to the Future. Exactly. Yeah. And, and really, again, if Jurassic Park revolutionized, uh, basically revolutionized film. I feel like his animated films kind of revolutionized TV cartoons, at least for a while. Yeah. That, and then it got a reboot on uh, freaking uh, Hulu, and it's pretty good so far. Also, uh, yeah. Back to the Future. But he hasn't been interested. That, yeah, that was uh, yeah, Robert, more Robert, Robert Zemeckis and uh, Bob Dale. Robert still, Zemeckis, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, he definitely did. He definitely did. He was uncredited. So yeah, uh, Evie, uh, what would you have to say? I don't think I watched any. Oh really? If I did, I if I did, I probably would didn't know it, it was him. Weird. Et. Um. Yeah, just pretty much anything Indiana Jones. I've only like... ever played Indiana Jones. Oh, and uh, nice, nice. Oh yeah, yeah Indiana yeah. Jones. That's another favorite uh, movie when I that I saw when I was same, a kid. Same. Yeah. And surprisingly, I like, indie, I like the indie trilogy. Yeah, uh, that, surprisingly yeah, for Raiders, by the way, you know yeah. the final scene where um the all the Nazis are like uh, opening yeah, the faces arc. melt off by the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, surprisingly, that didn't it's frighten me when I was a kid. That didn't frighten me That's either, true. and That's I true. saw it like years later. Either. Like Jurassic Park never frightened me, but yet, like, uh, like so for example, uh, a logo at the end of a TV show could also, you know freak you out. Also, we had the elephant out of the room. Yeah. The Twilight Zone movie. Ooh, yeah. Let's. Uh, I don't. Let's kind of avoid that. that. Yeah. I've uh, never seen it, but I know either. of it. There is there is an incident it. with that movie. Oh, that's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Look it up uh, on your own time because, yeah. So uh, now let's get to the uh, patent pending uh, Dragonist scale where we're going to review the uh, Jurassic Park dinosaurs, including. uh, Oh, I just realized something. Uh, We talked more about the movie than the actual dinosaurs themselves. So now we'll do it here. (laughs) Sorry about that. When when talking about a movie like this, you kind of feel like you have to do it justice. But, okay. okay. If we're talking so about the, the dinosaurs, t- uh, like the um, like Rexy, the Velociraptors, the Dilophosaurus, the Brachiosaurus, all of them unified, perfect ten mm. for me. I feel like I kind of have to. But when you are that iconic in pop culture, when you have changed cinema that much, when you still look as amazing as you did thirty years ago, 
you get a perfect score from me. I, they're not mm. really characterized, but yet you do feel like they're characters in a way. You do feel for them. You feel like, even though they don't have dialogue, even though they're not really characters, they still feel just as fleshed out as the human beings. Mm, and I feel like, I'll you know, with, like Rexy, you feel you feel the power when she's on screen with the Velociraptors. You, oh, you yeah. actually see them when they set traps, how clever they could be. The part where they're going to, you know, bust down the door of the control room and Grant is trying to reach for the gun with uh, Ellie. Sorry, Ellie is trying to reach for the gun with her foot in that. You feel the suspense. I just feel like these dinosaurs, these, you know, CGI and animatronic dinosaurs have more character development than a lot of movies do. A lot of other movies, you know, do not give as much character development as they do to these dinosaurs. It sounds silly, I know, but they are getting a perfect score from me. Nice. I am going to be a little less, and I'm going to say a 7 out of 10. They are far from terrible in this movie. And... However, I will say this. As great as great as the animatronics are and as the effects are, and yeah, they really do give a lot of character to them. I don't know. It's just I, I was never really that into Jurassic Park in the first place, so that's partially why. But uh I don't know. Nowadays we get more scientifically accurate. We like get more facts about dinosaurs in the past. Like for crying out loud, we get a dinosaur egg that pretty much had, like, a living dinosaur fossilized inside it that had feathers and everything, which pretty much confirms that they were avians to begin with. So, yeah, it's those little things that, honestly, I got ruined for on this movie. I but can understand. Otherwise, I can understand. But otherwise... For the time, it was, it was scientifically accurate. Yeah. Let, let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah, for the time, it was scientifically accurate. But even then, though, it's still pretty amazing. They look yeah, awesome. I get it. And yeah oh man i cannot believe that uh this movie really uh was the way it was okay uh striker um honestly i'm mostly just giving a 10 because of rexy because like she's like the best thing about the movie in my opinion i can see that yeah but other than that yeah like the dinosaur or all the dinosaurs in the movie. Absolutely. Agreed. 9 out of 10. Agreed. 10 out of 10 exactly. for, uh, for Rexy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, uh, Suki, what would you have to say? Like, mostly just Rexy. Because, uh, I mean, when you think of like the default dinosaur movie, Jurassic Park is always the first one that comes to mind. And it kind of sucks we haven't really had a movie on this grand of a scale that's not related to the franchise, you know? Okay. And uh yeah. Lucky Evie. Eh, five out of ten. Okay. Mm. Take it you're not too big in the dinosaurs. Not realistic ones. Not too realistic ones anyways. Mm. Okay, all that's right. all right. So thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions or if you want to share your chili and sea bass recipe with us, you can email us at oh, fiery discourse at outlook.com. Or visit us on Twitter at twitter.com slash fiery discourse. Next time, we're continuing more of Jurassic July when we talk about the 1997 movie, The Lost World Jurassic Park.
It'll nice. be a lot of fun. We talk about the only one to star Ian Malcolm as the main protagonist. And we get to see the T-Rex in San Diego. So until then, thank you guys so much for listening. Till next week, take care. Yep, later. Adios. Peace. Adios.